Welcome to Same Old City, an independent York City fans podcast. My name is Simon Witchcraft, and who's here on this spookiest of episodes? It's the ghostest with the mostest, Ben Aspinall. You might do a a pun with your name. Can you think of a a pun on Ben Aspinall? No, it's not my name, is it? It won't be with that attitude. (laughs) But yes, uh, listeners beware, you're in for a scare, because it's our Halloween special. Perfect timing, because there's a couple of fairly bone-chilling York City games to look back on. Uh, Mm -hmm. Seven goals conceded and just one scored. Uh Um, So yeah, we will be digging into the defeats away at Eastleigh, or Beastly, I think, as Mm. you you wanted to refer to them, Mm. and Chesterfield, which, uh, yeah, we've not got a pump for that yet. They'll come to us. Um, yeah, we're going to be looking back on those two games. Uh, looking ahead to Halifax. Halloween facts. Yeah, I like it. Where, where we're we playing them? Where we're we playing them, Simon? The we're L&E. playing them the L and E. Oh, that's pirates, though, isn't it? Pirates are scary. Well, depends what kind of pirates, I suppose. Um, Ghost pirates. <laughs> and yeah, last but not least, we'll be building our spookiest York City Eleven based on uh, lots of listener suggestions on Twitter. Mm. So that'll be a, a bit of fun to round out, um, yes, this scary episode. I'll tell you what's scary, Simon. Our defending at the weekend and on Tuesday. Well, yeah, very much so. Um, but before we get into that, what beer are you drinking tonight, Ben? Is it beer? Is it Yorkshire tea? <laughs> I am. Um, I think I need something a little bit stiff to get me through... Uh through this podcast with what we will have to review. So I am on a classic red stripe. Very nice. Well, I am on a, a stout this evening. It's Milk of the Pearl, Milk Stout by Pentridge Brewery. And it's brewed with pen, vanilla. Pen, so. pen, pen witch, more like. Yeah. But yeah, let's let's start off with Eastley 3, York City 1 from Saturday at the Silver Lake Stadium, I think you said it was, Ben. Yeah. So I think you were back in the helicopter, were you, for this one? Yeah, I was braving um, the uh, awful weather that our that uh, we've been having lately. Um, managed to bribe my uh, my pilot to uh, take me over the North Sea, so I was able to uh, watch this one. Some slight turbulent winds, a little bit of rain, and that was just a match itself. No, the weather <laughs> over the North Sea was absolutely fine, but um, some fantastic Vanarama National League camera. Uh, operations on display in this particular fixture, Simon. It, you know you're in for a good one when the cameraman has to wipe the camera cl- uh, lens clean every couple of minutes to get a clear shot. I love this league. Yeah, it was quite entertaining watching the highlights back and just trying to guess how visible each uh, <laughs> each piece of action would be. But yeah, let's start with the lineups because there were a couple of uh, worrying absences, I guess. Uh, no Dipo Akinyemi and no Dan Batty. Seeing the eleven. That definitely put a, a, a chill up my spine. Um, we are nothing without Dipak and Yemi up front. Um, we always have a chance of getting something out of every game that we play in this division with him up front. Even with the injury records that we've got at the moment, even with the illnesses that ravaged the squad a few weeks ago, you always felt like we had a chance as long as we kept Dippo available. Um, I don't know when he took the knock, maybe it was in training. I don't know if something happened at Needham Market, but it was very, very worrying to see um, his name absent from the list. Uh, Daniel Batty, I think he's could he can kick on a gear this year. 
for us, but he has still been one probably one of the more better players in in a very dysfunctional midfield. So I could you could possibly argue that our two best players in uh, in eleven, if not you know if not the entire squad, were unavailable. So um, from the off, just absolutely fearing the worst, especially when you consider it appeared to be something of a five four one formation. Uh, Rory Watson did keep his place in goal. Yes. So yeah, Watson in goal. I think after two clean sheets, you know, it didn't take Sherlock Holmes to figure out that that he was going to be chosen because mm, elementary. Yeah, well, uh, those clean sheets were just what the doctor ordered, really, weren't they? So, Jesus. <laughs> but yeah, let, let's get into the game itself. So, so, uh, so, full disclosure, Simon, and to listeners, um, you know, we tend to go through the highlights of the matches that we're discussing, and we will be doing that. But because of the actual abject nature of our performances um, on Saturday and Tuesday, I will be in the background by browsing Facebook, looking at a local for sale or swap uh, group to see if I can find any bargains. So um, well, let me know if you see any non-league footballers on there, because you know we can just particularly a left back. Yeah, I'll see what I can find. But if if anything comes, you know, if if I'm not paying attention, I'm apologising right now. So crack on. So yeah, you were watching live from the helicopter. I followed a bit on the radio, but. I have caught up with the highlights, and it seemed very much like Eastleigh were on top right from the start. Was that the way you saw it? I think so. Um, the side were clearly set up to uh, absorb pressure and then spring out. The midfielders that we we played were supposed to be, you know, help the the counter attack. The injuries have have killed us for numerous different reasons that we all know, but there's also a distinct lack of pace in this uh, in this side. And you know, we just kind of hoped that. Um, we could try and get uh, John Lewis into the game by him holding it up, and then possibly some like you know full uh, the wing backs coming into play, feeding into midfielders. I, I think that was the uh, the desperate hopeful plan from Ardley from the off, and I wasn't seeing much of it in that first half. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, so the first major chance came to Eastley. Um, it was Enzio Baldovine on the right wing, who big fan of his name. They had a few good names in the team actually, Eastley. <laughs> Uh, but he crossed to McCallum, who we knew was going to be the danger man. He'd scored quite a few goals. Uh, but he fired over from fairly close range. Now, on the radio, Dave Ward was describing this as a really <laughs> easy chance, but it isn't he really, was, it's it? behind him. <laughs> but yeah, so Dave Ward was the was a commentator for the Eastley stream, and he remarked on um, the chance for the number, for the Eastley number nine. And he didn't seem to stop going on about it for the duration of the first half, about how, in better commas, easy it was. Watch about plenty of times. I mean, it's a hell, it's a hell of a chance, and perhaps you could argue you should do better and get out on target. But um, no, it, it's not that easy, Dave. I'll be honest with you. No, I was expecting to see something, you know, a glaring miss back from hearing it described on the radio. And you can see on the highlights as soon as he's hit it, he's sort of gesturing in front of him to say, you know, I want it in front of me. That one was was too far behind. But yeah, fires that one over, and next major chance came for us. Um, so it was a decent through ball from Cordner to play in Fallowfield on the edge of the box. Again, I thought Cordner probably one of our uh, better performers on the day. Um, Fallowfield crossed it in to find Kai Kennedy, but his half volley again just sailed over the bar. And again, Dave Ward was describing this as one that would have been easier to score. Not necessarily going to agree with that, but it was definitely a very good chance. I might be throwing a cap amongst the pigeons here, but I think Kennedy should be doing better here. Um, I think this is maybe an easy, easier chance on reflection than Eastley one. 
He's coming at it. Uh, it's it's a nice. It's right in front of him. He, he's got uh, a good bit of space. He's got a little bit of a run on it. There's a slight challenge from the number six on him, but again, sorry to repeat myself. He should be getting it on target. Yeah, I mean, perhaps it's a debate to be had regarding uh, Kai Kennedy. Um, you don't really see many people talking about him um, in, in terms of the post-match analysis, whether it's been this game in question, what happens at Chessfield or the games before. He's a curious one for me. I can't work out if he's an attacking midfielder, if he's a, a winger, inside forward. I just, he seems to be a bit something of a, a jack-of-all-trades, unfortunately, which might seem a bit harsh, but I don't think we've seen the best of him yet. But yeah, on 33 minutes... Easily take the lead. People might be able to rem- uh, realize, uh, remember this from those who watched the stream. Um, this is where it kind of went down. Um, there was some sort of weird error message on a stream, and it came back online just in time to find uh, the winner fly over. Uh, I don't know what big pan. The goal flying over Watson to go and send net. So getting to watch it properly in the highlights, lovely stuff. We should describe the goal because it is a very well taken goal. I mean, it's a quick counter attack from the keeper throwing it out, and it's Chris Maguire about 25 yards out, has a pop, and it absolutely flies past Watson into the top right corner. Absolutely nothing it's he could do. It's a cracking goal, isn't it? To stop that. Yeah, it's a it's a fantastic goal. Um, and I think Ardley after the game said, you know, what can you do when they score a worldie like that? And <laughs> I would yeah. tend to agree. I mean, yeah, maybe we did give the ball away too cheaply from the free kick, but if someone's going to knock one in from 25 yards like that, it's not something you can necessarily legislate against. Huge fan as well of the uh, player celebrating in front of the away fans. Arms aloft, Jude Bellingham style, as if we, as York City fans, know or care who he is. So it's 1-0 at the break. Didn't say that there were many clear-cut chances, but Eastley seemed to be well on top based on, again, the commentary and the few highlights that they were. Sturdy wooden unit, two drawers with stoppers to hold in place, double doors with shelf. You found something good on the uh, on the local classifieds. Oh, wait, it's a collection only. Nah, not interested. Sorry, what were you saying? I was just asking if Eastley were dominant in the first half. You'd say so. I think they were playing better. I don't think our players have quite got their head around this uh, rather defensive formation and how they were supposed to counter. The only real quality I'd say from our, uh, from our players was what you mentioned before, was to call the through ball to Fallerfield for the Kennedy chance. Uh, we know Cordon's got that in locker where you can step out into midfield and through attacking areas and find a decent pass. Yeah, apart from that, very little on display from from a York point of view. Yeah, it seemed like we were maybe a bit more competitive at the start of the second half. It seemed like it was mm. fairly even, although again, we weren't really carving out too many chances. John Lewis maybe looking a bit isolated up front in the system we were playing. And on the hour mark, Eastley made it 2-0. So this one sort of starts with Will Smith failing to clear it properly on two occasions. Sort of doesn't get enough on his clearances and it goes straight to their players and it's then headed through to Paul McCallum. And this time, he doesn't make any mistake. He slots it past Watson at the near post. Watson in goal seemed like he was maybe caught in two minds about whether to come for it. He kind of starts coming for it and then backtracks. Yeah, And you can see Corner and Watson exchanging words after it's gone in. Um, It's just another one to add to the ever-growing list of sloppy goals that we've conceded this season. Yeah, don't want to jump on Watson so much at this, po- at this point anyway. But, um, Save that for later. Yeah, definitely. Uh, getting beat at that post, no. Not 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 good enough for me, I'm afraid. But yeah, 2-0. Seems like the game's slipping away from us, but then 
we managed to win a free kick back pretty much straight from kickoff. Um, John Lewis wins a free kick, mm-hmm. and it's Burgess who takes it, so he's still on free kicks despite that uh, mistake <laughs> first half. Well, if at first you don't succeed, Simon. <laughs> yeah. So it's an outswinging cross that he puts in, which finds Callum Howe, fairly unmarked in the area with a quite simple header to pull a goal back. It, you, you're right about that. It's a very good point. It, it's amazing how much room he ma- managed to find himself in. Very good header. Uh, maybe keeper could have done a little bit better, but you know, what do we care? Yeah, uh, lovely goal to get ourselves back in back into the contest. Uh, I believe it's the first goal for um, for Cal. So uh, yeah, how about that? Yeah, I think so. He's definitely looked like our biggest aerial threat at set pieces. So hopefully, one of many. Oh, I'll tell you what, Simon, we all know the next highlights, Aidan Aiden Marsh. So should we just get on with that? Well, well, the other thing I wanted to mention was after we scored that goal to pull it back, our players kind of sprint back to the halfway line being like, come on, lads, we're back in this. And then someone realises we haven't actually got the ball. Um, <laughs> quite sheepishly trots back to uh, to pick it out of the net. Yes, this is York City. So shall we talk about Aidan Marsh? Yeah, so we were back in it at this point and, you know, we've had a couple of away games where we've not been brilliant, but we've pulled a result out of the bag, thinking about Dagenham and possibly Woking as well. And we had a chance to pull level, a very good chance, I would say. And it fell to Aidan Marsh, who had come off the bench. I mean, again, it starts with a lovely pass by Cordner. Yeah, it does. And it's it's Cordner to follow field again, isn't it? Yeah. So they will link quite nicely. Textbook, textbook again. And then a nice ball in by Fallerfield. Uh, finds Marsh in front of goal. About six yards out, would you say? Very central position. Yeah, he's in the middle of the... He's on the line of the six-yard box. He's just got the keeper to beat, but the keeper's kind of already flailing a bit. It's Basically, you would think any touch is probably going to take it in. But I am demanding a government inquiry into why Ada Marsh decides to go with his left foot. We're presuming he's not left-footed then. I, I don't care. He could have no right foot. Swing a stump at it. There's no legal reason why he should be going with his left foot at that chance. Even if he is, angle your foot towards the goal. At the at the very least. Yeah. He it's... puts it so far wide, I'm actually impressed. <laughs> it's a miss worthy of Halloween. A lovely, well-looked-after BMW 320i convertible. Full service history, MOT, July 2024. Sorry. No, no sympathy. No sympathy whatsoever. He's a professional footballer. This is what he signed up for. He should be doing much better than that. And like in all seriousness, well, that goal goes in. His confidence then. You know, it's, it was originally the last day of his loan. He kicks on with that goal. Um, so, yeah, Marsh somehow conspires to hit that one wide. Um, and there's there's a lot of chances in the second half for both teams. So, East, Eastley had another good-headed chance from a corner. Uh, which was Ludwig Franzelet, another excellent name. They kind of sound like ancient philosophers. They do, don't they? But yeah, he heads it just wide. So we got away with that one, still at 2-1, but only until 76 minutes. Um, so it's Chris Maguire, who scored that opening goal, was in the box, tussling with Woodyard. Um, but he gets the better of the exchange, and the ball comes over to Baldivine, who chips across to the far post, where Paul McCallum... National League uh-huh. top goal scorer Paul McCallum is unmarked. Yeah, has acres of space, doesn't he? <laughs> About three yards out. 
I don't want to speak too dramatically because I want us to be taken somewhat seriously as a, as an outlet, as a podcast for York City fans. I think it's too late for that. I want I want to confirm that Woodyard's defending before their goal made me made me vomit. I was sick everywhere, all over myself, all over the helicopter. What what is he doing? He just prods the ball away from the attacker, straight to their player. It's abysmal defending from him and this is supposed to be our defensive shield our ball winner our def- you know our Michael Essien although with better hair it, it, it's awful it's really really bad yeah we've praised Woodyard in previous episodes but he has had a run of not very great performances and I think he, he seems to be getting too caught up in winding the opposition up or you know oh, these kind yeah, of individual he's... battles rather than what he's actually doing with the ball Absolutely correct. He he's doing the Robbie Savage stuff about the you know the actual footballing uh, influence to back it up. I completely agree with you, Simon. It's been noticeable in these two fixtures, particularly. But you know, I don't want to um, put him in a person on, on you know in the stocks. Um, who called us marking for that cross? I don't know. You're right. You've got you've got the league's top goal scorer. You know, two yards, three yards behind you. Let me have a free header. And it's not even the best header in the world either. I don't know what's his flaps at it. Well, that's the next element of it, isn't it? It's uh... you're gonna have to stop these Watson puns. <laughs> that wasn't even intentional, that's best bit. But yeah, it's uh, it's headed down, bounces before it gets to Watson, and he sort of gets something on it. But it's at his near post. I think that's a weak header to let past him. It's just honestly, it's not good enough. Every part of York's play in that goal is just not good enough. Woodyard, Cordner and Watson, none of them do the basics right. And, you know, they've deserved praise recently, all three of them. Woodyard's helped steal at the midfield. Cordner's really cracked, uh, you know, really kicked on from a, from a bit of a, a, a mixed start to look fit, to look like he's, he's switched on mentally. And Watson with two clean sheets in his first two games, admittedly against the pub side. They've had the praise from us, and it's only fair that we, you know, we're we're honest with, with their performance. Every aspect of Eastley's third goal is offensively bad. Yeah, can't disagree with too much there. Um I mean Adley in his post match interviews, he was sort of not too critical of the performance, but he said we got everything wrong in both boxes. And that was an example of well, we just had two examples, Marsh's miss and then the bad defending for that. So, oh, don't you worry about this, Simon. There's some more misses to come. <laughs> well, um, the next miss was Ryan Fallowfield, I think. Um, where oh, god, cross from Kai Kennedy found John Lewis, and the ball sort of bounced off him to Ryan Fallowfield, who was quite close to goal, not too <laughs> tight an angle, but he tried to pull it back to Marsh. Obviously, you know, thinking, well, Paul had missed from six yards, let's set him up from. From two yards, but yeah, Fallowfield should be shooting there, shouldn't he? Uh, I agree with you. I, I can't be too harsh on Fallowfield because he's been one of the very few bright spots for the entire season, and he strikes me as a sound, a sound young man. Um, but I think he makes a complete wrong decision with uh, with that bit of play. I, I'm not sure why he's trying to get it to Marsh, and if he's trying to get it, get it to Marsh, he's not doing doesn't do it very well because it goes right behind the lad. He's he's going to be hitting that from there uh, to try and get it on target. He's he's better than. Uh, being unselfish in that situation, he's uh, he's good enough to try and get a good effort on goal there. Yeah, I agree. Wouldn't want to be too critical of him. I mean, how many of our decent attacking moves have involved Fallowfield? A large I agree portion completely. of them, which when he's our right back, 
that's a bit of a damning indictment on, you know, a supposed creative midfielders. But yeah, another good chance falls to Tyler Cordner when there's a corner which finds Callum Howe at the far post, heads it back across the area to Cordner, and again, I wouldn't say it's easier to score than miss, but he should definitely be hitting the target with that much space. Simon? Yeah? He has got so much room there that the nearest EC defender is in a different postcode. <laughs> is that right? It, it is amazing that doesn't even hit that doesn't even hit target. That is incredible. No one near him. But yeah, we're creating chances, and we create another chance in the 90th minute. In fact, we score a goal where uh, John Lewis heads the ball into the goal, but it's given us offside. Now, having since seen a replay from a different angle behind the goal, it looks like this was probably onside. Yeah. I mean, if I want to have my cake and eat it, I can't complain about this being onside and then whinge about the Chesterfield goal later on, which I believe is offside. So I'm going to take the rough of the smooth and say probably marginal. I'm not, I've not got a great angle to see it properly from. It's probably offside. Much of a muchness, I suppose. Yeah, and that wasn't the last chance because uh, McCallum had the chance for his hat-trick in stoppage time, but he hits the side netting from a tight angle. Because, um, yeah, full-time, 3-1 defeat. As I mentioned, Ardley said he actually thought the performance was all right in terms of... Uh, that was his exact words, all right. <laughs> yeah, great. I've got Michael Barrymore in charge, have we? But yeah, do you get the impression from Adley's post-match interviews that he's he's kind of given up on some of these players? It's hard not to, isn't it? Um, I think with each passing game, where we have had some disappointing results, he's sounding more and more um, convinced in himself about the quality of certain players and like the depth of the squad. And I think that comes out very much so in the uh, Chesterfield post-match. But um, with this one, yeah, he... Um, it just doesn't sound very happy with what he's, the tools that he's got. I'm just thinking because he sounded quite angry after the home draw against Needham Market. And since then, I mean, we've had three fairly poor performances, but he hasn't really criticised the players much. Maybe he's maybe that was the point at which he says, OK, you know, these players aren't going to be able to do what I want them to do. I'm just going to have to get through enough time, scrape a few results until I can bring in my own players. And obviously that's not applying to the whole squad. He's got to absolutely Beddingfield this, hasn't he? Natasha Beddingfield. No, Daniel. The rest of Neil Adley's tenure at York City is still unwritten. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, I was just thinking he's got to get through this, but that works just as well. Uh, no, I mean, I think the issue as well is he's desperately trying to bring in a player, some players to plug the obvious gaps that we have. In, I mean, we've 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 screened out left backs until we're we're blue in the face, aren't we? But well, he's tried a few left-backs, hasn't he? You know, he's tried Crooks, Latty Fairweather, Paddy, and, you know, he's saying, well, if you're not the one, then who is going to be the left-back to uh, to take us forward? I'm out of Beddingfield songs now. Okay, thank you. Um, I, I am just perplexed by the aspect that there's no left uh, full-back, left wing-back available on loan from even for, even a Premier League to League One club. There, there has to be something somewhere. I, I am amazed when the when the you know the, the next game rolls along and we're still playing um crooks at left back or uh paddy at left wing back i, I just can't get my head around it and it still keeps going on and on 
And I think Cox in one of the recent pre-match interviews was saying, oh yeah, we, we, we've tried and we got we got pushed back. There has to be um, players out there. Um, w- w- what's Stockdale doing? Um, he's the head of recruitment. Is he not out there looking for left-backs? Or I, I just don't understand how this is happening. How many games have we needed a left-back now since uh, Fairweather got injured? If not before, considering how attacking he is. It's absolutely mind-boggling. Well, that brings us on to the tweets we had in response to the Eastley game because uh, there's one from Morgan Bruce which said, I only listened to it, but the biggest issues right now seem like a lack of a left-back, as you mentioned, and a lack of time on the training ground. Once we settle into a weekly Saturday schedule, I think we'll be fine. Uh, Another tweet from Ben Morrison. Too many players are nowhere near National League level. Of course, with injuries, we now have about seven playing in the first team. Weak in the midfield, no threat out wide. Obviously, Dippo and Batty are massive, but also think we are missing Maz, who takes the ball on the half turn and drives forward. Um, I would agree with that, actually. I think Maz has his critics, but we've seen that we miss him just by the lack of creativity when he's been out. Another tweet here from someone called Kai. I assume it's not Kai Kennedy, but I haven't checked. Says, as an Eastley fan, you could have genuinely won three big missed chances. Well, I think actually in all seriousness as well, um, that particular person raises some interesting points in terms of uh, this game is a full 90 minutes. I think Eastley deserved to win. And, you know, that is, that, that's what it is. That, that's football. In terms of the quality on display, Eastley weren't that much better than us in terms of what they had about them. Um, we created some very, very decent chances. Admittedly, they you know they had about two or three extra chances as well that they sh- probably should have scored from. But it's completely different to what we're about to discuss when it comes to Chesterfield. Easily were there to be got at, and we're, we've been hamstrung by <laughs> excuse the puns, hamstrung by the injuries. We're now up to a full. Um, I make it a full eleven that you could uh, name uh, that could play for you, Box City that are injured. But in terms of what. Um, easily presented to us, we could have got something out of that game. It's weirdly similar to what happened um, away at Dagenham. We did not play great over the 90 minutes, played well enough in spells to, you know, to get out of there with a victory. And I'm not saying that we could have got out of here with a victory, but there's no reason why we could not have got a draw out of this game. Um, but yeah, we were just hoping to bounce back away at Chesterfield on Tuesday night. Now, unfortunately, with all the uh, weather and storm Babette-induced flooding... Chesterfield's game on Saturday was postponed, so they had a lovely long 10-day run-up to this one. Uh, Not that they needed any extra advantage, obviously being top of the league, and we discussed their excellent form. But, you know, last season, we were were strong underdogs going into the game, and we know what happened there, so never know. Yeah, looking at the lineups for this one, we're basically the same as at Aisley, I think just due to lack of options, with the exception of... Crooks was out, injured. Mm. Um, so Dyson came on in midfield and Paddy moved out to left wing back. So again, it's that defensive sort of 5-4-1. You can kind of understand that away at the you know, the league leaders. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was another uninspiring one. You were struggling to see where any spark or goals was going to come from. No, I think you're right there. Um, the highlights of the match for, on the club account don't quite reflect... Um, well, there was a lack of chances for York by all means, but um, it doesn't show uh, Paddy's bizarre early cross that the keeper palmed away for a corner that looked like it had gone in, and nor does it show the half chance that uh, Kai Kennedy had in the first half where he runs on, I believe he runs onto a ball 
and he, and he just gets a shot blocked that could have gone absolutely anywhere. I mean, they're not great chances by any stretch of the imagination. And I'm very much, and I realize here that I am clutching at straws. But um, they were, you know, it, they um, exemplified just how decently we were playing in that first half. Yeah, I mean, particularly first 15 minutes, I think we were probably the better team. And even the Chesterfield commentator was acknowledging that. Kennedy in particular was looking quite lively. Mm-hmm. Although, again, as you mentioned, not taking the chance that fell to him. Um, but yeah, we were sort of looking quite fluid going forward. But yeah, probably the best chance was when, for some reason, Paddy's floated cross uh, their keeper, Boot, um, tries to palm it into his own net almost. But yeah, it's, it just goes over the bar. He was an odd character, wasn't he, Boot? He's the guy who kept coming out for like 50-50 balls and just like trying to be the outfield goalkeeper. Something well, like you know, a... if you call Boot, surely he should be called Hand, shouldn't he? Yeah, well, yeah. Oh gl- no, sorry, glove, glove, because it's a nightmare clothing rather than a body part, isn't it? So yes, that's very true. But yeah, we were, if not on top, um, certainly sort of matching them for the first fifteen minutes or so. Um, but the first really decent chance probably fell to Chesterfield, about halfway into the first half, um, where it's Dobry who has a shot saved by Watson. I thought Grigg probably looked offside in the build-up to this one as well. But yeah, it's a sort of comfortable save by Watson, would you say? Yeah, it's a very decent save. It's it's a confidence-building save, isn't it? Especially when you're up against top of the league. So yeah, it was, uh, it was good to see that. And he made another save uh, from Jacobs later on where he got the ball sort of on the edge of the area from a corner and drilled in a low shot. But again, uh, Watson collected it. So yeah, like you say, you would think that would be confidence-building, but... Um, whether it actually was or not uh, would become clear later on. <laughs> um, but yeah, there was only those two chances on the entire highlights video, which suggests, you know, we were we started quite well and then we sat back a bit and gave them a bit more of the ball, but we were defending fairly comfortably, Yeah, actually. We'd sort of seemed to be nullifying their system a little bit, so it was quite an encouraging half overall. But as a, as a great thinker once said, first half good, second half not so good. And it was fairly early on that it went that way because 48 minutes in, Chesterfield take the lead. Um, And they could have taken the lead just before that because Will Griggs' header from close range hit the bar. Mm -hmm. And then it gets worked out to Banks over on the right. There's no one marking him. And he hits a sort of very powerful, precise finish into the bottom left corner. Do we put any blame on the lack of marking here or just do we just say it was a really well taken goal I think a proper left back or a proper left wing back does a little bit better than Paddy there but I'm not going to give Paddy Dogs abuse for it it's not a natural position he was in the right right enough area um, I just think it's a cracking finish great strength and pace behind the shot right underneath it's underneath Watson before he can move so yeah that's me being overtly critical yeah at the time I just thought okay yeah maybe they're starting to show their quality can't really argue with a goal like that. Um, although it is noticeable on the highlights just how deep we're already sitting. You know, even <laughs> It's not even like you've got John Lewis on his own up front. Even John Lewis was in our half most of the time. Do you know when um, do you know when England play like Andorra or San Marino in uh, a meaningless qualifier? Yeah. And it's it, it's that. It's 5-5-0 five, five, um, at, at the best of times, really. Just hoping against hope to soak it all up and nick something. Always amusing when it's on the shoes on the other foot, but when it's you watching it, 
it's painful. But yeah, Chesterfield took the lead, and then they just sort of the attacks just kept coming. Really, there was one a few minutes later where a cross came in from the left from Horton. Cordner swung his leg at it, uh, almost going on goal. It just went wide of the mm. post for a corner. Um, and then just after that, Jacobs had a shot which was saved pretty well by Watson. But then in the 61st minute, uh, they did go 2-0 up. So as a cross came in, headed out by Paddy, but unfortunately straight to Naylor, who, again, very decent strike. Yeah. Clean strike on the volley into the bottom left corner. Can't argue with that, can you? When you watch the quality on display there, you just have to throw, hold your hands up and go, yeah, this is, they're just better than us in every possible conceivable manner. Just hits it so sweetly. If you watch it for the highlight from behind the goal, behind Watson's goal, it curls away from Watson's dive just impeccably. Just perfect finish. Yeah, but I thought up to the point when that goal went in, we were still sort of trying to be competitive and staying in it. But once the second goal went in, it felt like the heads yeah. went down. And, you know, especially on the back of a defeat at Eastleigh, um, it just it became very one-sided, or even more so after that. Um, so they only had to wait another 10 minutes to make it 3-0. And it's Will Grigg. So uh, Colcliffe, one of the sort of the star players, had come off the bench, and he passed it to Banks, who took a shot from the edge of the area, which Watson saved, but could only parry out to Grigg, who was following it in, to tap in the rebound from very close range. It's another one where Watson maybe doesn't cover himself in glory, but I also question, you know, Will Griggs responded to that being saved and pounded back out into the area. Why are our defenders not doing the same thing? They seem much more interested in appealing for offside than actually, um, you know, trying to get to that rebound. I mean, it might be offside. I don't know. There's, there's no right. There's no correct angle to uh, to get a proper, uh, comprehensive view on it. It does seem to be a little bit behind Smith. But that's me, you know, trying to think of excuses for it. I think you're right about Watson, a stronger hand powering it away from the goal. But um, that's maybe being a little bit harsh on the young lad who had a very uneventful rest of the game, I think. On 83 minutes, uh, they get a fourth. Um, now, my uh, wife was watching this game alongside me and she'd remarked a few minutes before this happened that she actually felt a bit sorry for Rory Watson because she thought, you know, he was putting a few good saves in, putting a decent shift in, but, mm. you know, he was just constantly being bombarded with more Chesterfield chances. Um, but quickly revised that opinion after this happened. <laughs> um, so I didn't see who it was that played the pass back to Watson, but it was a perfectly, you know, normal pass. Yeah. And he just takes a really heavy touch, which means that he gets dispossessed by Will Grigg, who still has a lot to do. I mean, you have to give him full credit for that finish from from a tight angle outside the box but you know it, it is a howler isn't it it's really really bad um everything about it heavy touch uh losing it to grig his inability to get his body in front of the the effort from grig diving after the ball's gone it's bad 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 and i also like to think that all york city fans watching this particular game all of us were um callum howe when he absolutely boots the ball to uh, the halfway line to restart the play. Not like he had a particularly good game or anything, but he summed up um, our collective frustration at what was turning into um, just a horrific day at the office. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, we did throw in a few subs late on. The good news is we brought Castro on. <laughs> yeah, well, I wanted to mention that because, um, I mean, we didn't have any chances featured in the highlights until we went 4-0 down. And I think <laughs> until pretty much the 90th minute. But then Castro comes on. And I very much enjoyed the fact that, you know, he's coming on. We're 4-0 down away to the team that's top of the league. Of course, that's the time to do dozens and dozens of stepovers. Yeah. Um, lovely little flicks. Uh, I mean, you have to admire his commitment to to being that guy. Uh, but to be fair, he set up a chance for Cordner. Um, he hit a shot high and wide. I don't think it looks too far away. You know, Maybe I'm being a little bit too uh, positive with, with what happened. But um, I, I think Cordner strikes it reasonably quite well, actually. Um, if it's a little bit lower... I thought, you know, maybe. A little surprise there. I mean, it means very little at 4-0, but um, I don't think it's quite as bad as uh, the initial reaction. But that's just my opinion. Yeah, there was another chance for Chesterfield in stoppage time as well, where James Berry um, sort of did his best Maradona against England impression and just ran past the entirety of our defence. Although he wasn't really slaloming in between, he was just sort of running in a straight line. They're the best ones. (laughs) To get through on goal. Um, Luckily, Watson did manage to to save this one. Yeah. Because uh, that would have been another really bad goal to concede. And we did have another chance right near the end of stoppage time. Uh, Paddy hit the side netting after being played in by Siziba, who was another sub. But yeah, it, it finished up 4-0. And after the promise of the first half, yeah, we'd come crashing back down to earth. I think um, it's interesting that, you know, um, Siziba plays uh, Paddy in the on-rushing uh, left full-back who uh, lashes a um, effort into the side of netting. And then in the aftermath, you've got a young Aidan Marsh in the middle of the six-yard box with both hands putting down as if to gesticulate, you know, why not pass it to me? Uh, Aidan, we all know why it wasn't passed to you. But yeah, let's look at the tweets we had in reaction to this one. Brand new Uggs um, purchased for the daughter's birthday, but they're too big. Uh, One week out of the returns policy, so they won't be accepted back. Show the receipt as proof of purchase directly from UG if required. I can deliver. Uh, £150 for a pair of UGs. God, what's, what's the world coming to? Mm. Sorry, you've got some tweets. Yep. Um, so we got one from Gary Rogers 49 which said, Looked quite good on live stream, pressing in the first half and might have got a goal. It was a fair go, I thought. But as Adley said, Cook put pressure on our left second half and it was all over. First two goals were very good and down to their quality. Nine injuries. Um, and that is, I guess, the mitigating factors, isn't it, is the injury list. Um, and, yeah, the fact that teams have noticed that we don't have a left-back and that we're a bit weak defensively on that side and quality teams are going to target that. Another tweet from Tops 55 uh, Rory Watson Horror Show. I've slightly uh, edited that one to make it family-friendly. Undid all the first-half good work by Jameson back from Harrogate. Well, that's an interesting shout. Uh, one from Matthew Clegg, which says, Playing the league leaders with your second eleven, having given them 10 days off, was never going to end well. This is hopefully our Nadir. Although we might reserve that mm. for this weekend in front of the cameras. Well, we will we will preview the televised game against Halifax later. Um, mm. But yeah, it's, it's a fair point that a lot of people were saying, you know, we're going to get thrashed today. Uh, everything's against us. And then people were really annoyed when we did. Um, I <laughs> yeah, think- you're right. I think right. I would say, on balance, I was more concerned by the Eastley game than by the Chesterfield one. Sometimes, you know, as happened against Barnet, you just have to say this team is a lot better than we are at the moment. We've been beaten heavily, but these are not the games we 
we're going to be expecting to win. Another tweet from Dave Olson. It is what it is. First half was decent, but their quality and our weaknesses showed massively in the second half. Injuries not helping. But need a reaction against Halifax, Chester and Fylde. Time to start getting results rather than just good flashes. And there was an interesting response to that, again from Matthew Clegg, which said, Talking of second-half performances, 18 of the 21 goals conceded under Ardley have come after half-time. Which is a bit of a damning stat. I mean, have we got any explanation for that? Is it fitness? Is it mentality? Is it particularly uninspiring half-time team talks? What do we think? What's what's the uh, uh, Gareth Southgate quote about Sven Jorn Eriksson at the World Cup? We expected Churchill, but we got Ian Duncan Smith. <laughs> Maybe there's something to be said for that. But yeah, to look at where that result leaves us, we are 20th in the league, 15 points from 17 games. Um, but we are just one point above the relegation zone because luckily there are somehow four teams who are worse than us currently. That's three wins all season, Simon. Three wins. I did just want to talk about our sort of expectations for the seasons. We've mentioned the promotion train a few episodes mm. back. Um I think it's probably fair to say that, that that is fully derailed at this point. Absolutely. It, it, it's, you know when that episode of Thomas Tank Engine, when Henry gets stuck in a tunnel and they build the wall around him? That's happened to our promotion range. That, that, that's it. We've been left to rot in a tunnel. Well, let's just hope that tunnel is not leading us back down to National League North. Um, but yeah, I was in the dentist the other day, actually. Um, oh, there we go. Yeah. What time? Well, you joke, but my next appointment is for half past two. So unbelievable, <laughs> uh, which I didn't even realize until later on when I was checking. But um, yeah, as I was making that next appointment, that two thirty dentist appointment. So yeah, they offered a appointment on Wednesday, twenty fourth of April. Uh, mm. So I brought up my Google Calendar. I like to be very organized and get stuff in there well in advance. Mm. Um, so I saw that evening there's a playoff quarter final in the National League. <laughs> Fourth against seventh. I've got that in there in the calendar just in case. Oh, God. Um, so I sort of thought for a split second. I was like... No, you didn't, did you? I said, yeah, I'll go for that one. That'll, that'll okay, be fine. That one. I mean, oh, thank goodness for that. I'll be honest with you, Simon. I'm glad that story went somewhere because if I'm reduced to talking about your dental appointments on a podcast, I'm going to find something else to do with my evenings. Well, you know, when it comes around to the playoffs, that's probably all we will have to talk about, to be honest. So. <laughs> So, yeah, I think that was my... This was before Eastley and Chesterfield as well. That was my oh, realisation that I have internally written off playoffs at this point. Um, but I think that the question really is, you know, we're 17 games in, we're one point above the relegation zone, are we in a relegation battle? At, at the moment, how, how can we not be? We can uh, moan about the un- unavailable players and we can moan about um, the league positions of teams that we've played. Um, right now, we are we are looking at a relegation battle because um, the three games that we've won, you can make very strong arguments about the fact that we should, probably shouldn't have won at worst two of them, considering the last-minute nature of the walking and the Dagenham victories. And we only started to turn South End over when they lost one player and then they lost another. Seven draws, by all means, you know, last minute, there's been some last-minute con- uh, or late consolate, uh, concedings of goals. That's fair enough. There was a. Um, I'm stealing from my group chat here, which you know um, I'm loath to do. 
But after the in the heat of the moment after the Chesterfield um defeat and everyone's, you know, at each other's throats and brandishing weapons and, you know, asking people to come park. The question was raised, who have we beaten convincingly this season? And in scoreline only at South End. And that was down to um playing ten men and a team with what two and a half substitutes if 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 that. Who have we outplayed this season? I I can't think of anyone. I think we've had halves that look very good, but we haven't strung together a convincing ninety minutes necessarily. No, we haven't. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to be a little bit more circumspect. I guess I think I'm going to give it till Christmas before deciding whether we're in a relegation battle because we've had a really difficult run of fixtures under Adley. You know, we've played we've played Chesterfield, Barnet, Bromley, Solihull. That's the current top four, as well as sort of other games which aren't the easiest um you know got results against like of likes of woken as well who were, who were doing quite well the results did improve initially and all right we've, we've been on a bit of a worse run recently but i think we need to see whether we can start getting some points out of these next few fixtures because well once we got past halifax who are also doing quite well we've got an, a run of games against the likes of filed Maidenhead, Oxford City, the teams that are below us or around us, um, Ebbsfleet, Dorking as well. If we can't get, you know, a good number of wins against Ebbsfleet, it's four one maybe. Well, we'll skip over that bit. Um, But yeah, if if we can't get results against them and start pulling away from the relegation zone by Christmas, then yeah, I think you know there's no such thing as being too good to go down, is there? So then we would have to accept we're in a relegation scrap. The counteract is, of course, the injury problems. And as York City fans, we're all discussing this. Perhaps there is an argument to be made for, is this the worst injury crisis in living memory? I, I, I certainly can't think of any, any worse. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you could do a full 11, a full starting 11 out of um, the players that are missing. I mean, top of my head, in positional order, got Stockdale, Ando, Duckworth, Crooks, obviously, he was out of the game, wasn't he, against Chesterfield? Um, Lassie Fairweather, uh, Dippo, Stott, Maz, Batty. Harriet. Harriet. <laughs> I laugh because, you know, he's fit one week and then not fit the next. So, complete waste of money at this stage. Don't forget Ethan Henderson. Ethan Henderson is injured, so he can be up front with, uh, with Dippo, which is why we've got no Ethan Henderson watch this week. There's there's definitely a full eleven that is very reasonable for this level that is unavailable. Yeah, I still think, in spite of recent events, our squad, when everyone's fit or when we have enough players fit, is more than good enough to be mid table. I think our manager's more than good enough to take us to mid table. I'm willing to be proven wrong, but I, I think the question is just can we get enough players fit? Because is it coincidence that so many of our players are getting injured, or is it? that we've actually signed players who have very patchy injury records recently. We've taken a gamble on that and, you know, we haven't necessarily given them a full pre-season because of when we've signed players and it's come back to bite us, essentially. But yeah, I think it would be nice to do sort of a mid-season review um, sometime around Christmas when we can actually say, okay, what are we expecting from the second half of this season? You know, looking back on the first half... Mm. Um, and also sort of thinking about the squad, because we did have a 
interesting question on Twitter. Uh, let me just bring it up here. So it's from Yorkio9, which was saying, who would be in your retained list if you evaluated the squad right now? Um, I've seen a few people kind of asking this question. I think it's still a little bit too early to make judgment calls on a lot of those players, just because we haven't seen enough of, of some of them, especially when they've been injured. But yeah, I think if, if we do some kind of mid-season review, that would be a good opportunity to to start thinking who we'd want to retain and you know who we'd want to call. I mean, it's going to be a long list of, of players to get rid of just because of how big the squad is. And speaking of the squad being big, um, in the news is that we've extended the loans of Will Smith and Aidan Marsh. I mean, neither Christ. of them have set the world on fire, have they? Do we think that's just out of desperation that we haven't got enough players to, to fill the squad otherwise? Or do we think hardly seeing something in those two that maybe the fans haven't yet? I mean, you're petrified that we're, ha- we're keeping them because there's literally nobody else available. I hope nobody thinks that we've, you know, intentionally uh, leapt on Young Marsh this week for uh, for cheap laughs. It would be true. Um, but why we're not playing him up front with um, John Lewis, I, I-, I don't understand. Um, I'd like to see him up front with Lenny because I think they could complement one another well. If we're talking about Dippo being injured much longer, he's got some a little bit about him. He managed to get into that position for the miss against um, Eastley and the aforementioned whinge at Paddy. He was in the six-yard box. He was there. He wasn't being closely marked. You know, he, he's got a little bit of now about him. So I'm not, you know, um, completely uh, against our Jody. I feel a bit more sorry for uh, for young Will Smith because, um, well, firstly, uh, Fresh Prince got cancelled. And secondly, um, he has been forced to play uh, on the left of back three despite having um, no left foot. He's clearly more suited to playing in, in some sort of back two, if not the right of a back three. He's playing on the left out of necessity because um, we can only cater to a, a three-five-two due to the uh, injuries that we have elsewhere in the squad. So I think he'd been dealt a bit of a bum hand. I can't think too many opportunities or goals he's given away. Just more of the general tactical malaise and setup of our squad and our first eleven. So maybe worth a longer look. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's been brilliant. He's certainly not been able to, you know, say about his time at York so far. I am legend, but oh, for goodness' <laughs> sake. <laughs> But at the same time, has he been one of our most bad boys? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe he does just need to move over from that wild, wild west flank onto the right of defence. That doesn't make any sense, that one. You, you, <laughs> well, west you've is flown, left, isn't it? You, you've flown too close to the sun again. Um, but yes, they have been extended. Um, so both could feature in this Saturday's game at home against Halifax, which I just want to quickly do a little preview of. So just looking at Halifax's current form, I don't know how this keeps happening, but we're playing another team in fantastic form. So they're sixth in the table. We've got four league wins on the bounce, although they did lose in the FA Cup to Marine. So I see see, see they've got problems with subs as well. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Um, they got Luke Summerfield playing for them. I think he had a comedy red Ooh. card earlier in the season, didn't he? Uh, when when the ref ran into him or something. League two, Luke. Yeah. And last season they did do the double over us, including 
a 3-0 win at the LNER, which in a little quirk of the fixture calendar that also came immediately after Chesterfield away. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. Any thoughts on this one? Can I get your official uh, Ben Espinel prediction locked in? Yeah, um, I'll be there. Uh, I'll be there with you, in fact, won't I? I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I'm dragging my poor, poor wife to the game. Nice evening kickoff under the lights. Nice um, autumn um, twilight. I'm going to go 3-1 Halifax. Oh, Ben, I can see you uh, pouring new beer there. Anything exciting? Yes, I, I'm drinking a uh, a beer from Tallinn in Estonia. A Nordic rye ale called um, Hypothermia by um, Sorry Brewing. Quite interesting. Which is uh, labelled as a serious beer for not-so-serious people, which I think sums up this podcast quite well. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, and I guess that brings us on to the uh, final thing we wanted to cover, which is our York City Halloween 11. Um, so yeah, I put out a tweet on Friday the 13th saying that Halloween was just a couple of weeks away, which can only mean one thing, bad spooky puns based on York City players past and present. <laughs> can we put together a full 11? But we had a lot of uh, excellent contributions here and have managed to put them together into a full lineup. Do you, do you want me to make some like background background Halloween like noises with that would that help at all? Nothing too intrusive. But, yeah you, know, you like can a... do and I can always edit yeah. them out later. Well as you usually do don't you so <laughs> um but yeah so we've got a we've got a full eleven with subs oh. and it, there's seven subs on the bench so it must be a cup game. So we have got Brains <laughs> We've gone for a 4-3-3. As everyone knows, that is the spookiest formation. Uh, <laughs> so in goal, we have Ryan Witchley. <gasps> At right back, we've got Sean Wooney. Ooh. Yeah, I did enjoy that one. Centre-back pairing of James Dungeon and Callum oh. Howell. <gasps> At left back, we've got James Meredith. Yeah. Midfield three of Wally Gould, Ooh. Sean Hazelgrave, <laughs> and Quivering Castro. <laughs> and then a front three, McCauldron Langstaff, <laughs> Colin Homicide, <laughs> and Matty Blair Witch. Have you still got any enough noises in the tank to do the subs bench? If you could just do more than one go and I'll do one afterwards, that'd okay. be very useful. So, subkeeper, we've got... Well, actually, this one came from Chipsy YCFC, uh, former pod guest, who was saying it wasn't a pun. He said, Jason Mooney, no pun, just a really bad, scary story. But actually, M- Jason Moon, he, I thought, that, that yeah, could be yeah, a Halloween moon. pun. Yeah. Werewolves howl at the moon, don't they? So, he's a subkeeper. Um, Thierry Latte Scareweather. Dan Batty mm-hmm. that we trailed earlier. Mm-hmm. Ollie Die Soon. <laughs> <laughs> Maz Booya. Ian Hellishwell. And Jake Fright. Ah! And we have a, a very spooky management team. It's the dream team back together. It's David Webb. As in Spider's Web. Yeah, yeah um, I'm, glad you, I'm, glad you, I'm glad you managed to explain Webb to me. <laughs> And Mikey Morgton. (laughs) (laughs) 
Reunited together at last. And the chairman, Glenn Hendertoom. Well, don't come in if you haven't got one. It slows it down. Yeah, but, sorry. Um, sorry. Yeah. No, uh, yeah, I didn't have time to credit everyone by name for those, but thanks everyone for your contributions. Um, but yeah, that, that was a bit of fun. We will do something similar on other themes in future. Really? Well, let's let's not rule it in or out. Okay. I can only imagine a state of your Christmas eleven. Oh, don't give me ideas then. <laughs> Colin Walker's gonna be manager anyway. I can just picture him as, as Santa. There's no pun there, is there? Well he did get the sack, didn't he, eventually? So Oh for f- <laughs> But yeah, thanks very much for listening. Um hope you have a good Halloween. We are planning to cover the Halifax game along with the cup game away at Chester I think in a uh, double bill episode that will come out after the cup game uh, which may have something to do with the fact that it is both half term and both of my children's birthdays next week so I'm not going to have time to edit one next week mm. um, but yeah we'll... selfish that isn't Simon well what selfish of them to, to be born so close together uh, I'd say the whole household but you know but yeah so we are going to hopefully bring out a retro episode though on the theme of the FA Cup uh, in the lead-up to the first-round clash with Chester, and that'll be looking back at a past first-round game which ended in uh, in glory. But yeah, otherwise, thanks as ever for listening, and we shall see you next time. And in the meantime, keep the faith! <laughs>